Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. This is another edition of College of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. A big week, folks. I apologize for our Wednesday night show that went a little haywire on us. We had some technical difficulties with our podcasting company, but I am assured that they are taken care of. So Stephen Marsh and I are going to bring you the uh, 2020 ACHA Men's Division One National Championship field. We're going to talk history in the desert southwest. My co-host is with me right now, Stephen Marsh. How are you? Doing well, doing well. It's a wonderful Saturday night. The weather is uh, really nice here in uh, Las Vegas, and we get ready to move the clocks forward an hour, so we'll be on the same uh, time zone uh, starting tomorrow. We'll all be Pacific, won't we? <laughs> That's right, because you guys never change. You guys are, are weird like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're kind of... Yeah, we're kind of different. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, I had a quick trip up to uh, to the beautiful city of Las Vegas on Friday and did a little preview with the uh, UNLV head coach and a couple of players and, and sat down with our, uh, our newest sponsor, Jesse Ray's Barbecue, and ate a little bit of the fortress, if you will. So uh, I saw Vegas for about three or four hours, and then I came back home and been doing a little uh, – women's hockey stuff but we're here to talk club hockey it's a huge week as i mentioned uh in the intro we are talking about uh three teams that made history i didn't think i'd ever see this Stephen, where we'd have three teams from the desert southwest make the acha men's division one national tournament and lo and behold it's happened yeah i'm sure i'm sure for you this is like the the pinnacle because you you know you're all, we're all about the desert southwest here and and uh, we're talking with club hockey and we get the three of the teams that are under that bubble competing for the championship so that's just it's just really wonderful let's start off by saying who they are because the university oh. of arizona clinched the uh, number eight seed they will be uh, in the tournament as an automatic bid and will play the very last game of what would be the official opening round, I guess, on Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Um, UNLV finished with a number 15 seed. They will uh, start their tournament on Thursday at 5 p.m. from Frisco, Texas. And lo and behold, Stephen, they get Arizona State, the 18 seed, as their first opponent. I, I talked to Coach Greener about this, and I said, you know, what were your thoughts when that came out? And he said, I couldn't believe it. Your thoughts on that matchup happening in the opening round of the national tournament? Yeah, I was a little surprised too, and I, I was texting back and forth with with Coach uh, Vigneri Greener too, and uh, he didn't understand why they had where they positioned. They felt like maybe they deserved to at least stay where they were, or even moved up a spot. But after how they finished the regular season, but um, I, I guess if you're going to play a team in the first round, uh, Arizona State's a team that you know very well. So that could be an advantage there, and um, and it's just you know it's it gives them a chance to prove prove that they belong there, and maybe that they should have been that maybe the people the people that select the field got it wrong, which of course a lot of it's determined by a computer. So I don't know how you can prove computers wrong. I guess you can, but but uh, <laughs> I guess it's what you input, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I I mean. Uh, these two teams know each other very well. Uh, it's been a great seasonal battle this year uh, with the first with the first um, games in, in Tempe early in the season and those split in the, the great series here in Vegas for UNLV's perspective. And, um, and for Arizona State, they're probably just 
fortunate that you know they had a pretty good season except for the last little bit but they they were able to get a spot and and they they're probably feeling pretty good they get to play a team like UNLV they're familiar with so uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun you know, and, and that really shows the strength of the uh, the Desert Southwest, right? There's only one other team that could have made it in, and that's Grand Canyon. And you can't really fault too much on Grand Canyon being their first year at the D1 level. They played every team very tough. They lost, I don't know how many overtime games uh, to uh, top teams, including Arizona, Arizona State, and UNLV. UNLV, so, right. Yeah, in the future, I mean, we could possibly uh, – Cross our fingers, there could be four teams coming into this. I, I doubt it, and the reason I say that is because one of the teams will probably not get enough wins just because they have to play each other so many times now in the conference. But, but boy, wouldn't that be a sight if we got four teams from the Desert Southwest in the National Tournament? What a representation. That would be good. And, and next year, just we can talk about next year real quick. I, I saw that the next year's tournament is in the Massachusetts area, so that would be a fun fun adventure too if, if we have all four of our teams and we all venture out to <laughs> East Coast there and Massachusetts and watch uh, four yeah. Desert Southwest teams in there. But looking forward to Texas. Texas is fun too, but uh, Massachusetts would be fun too. <laughs> yep, I hear you. Well, uh as I said in the open, we were going to talk a little bit about the uh, the tournament field. We'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, I did want to mention as well that if you haven't been to the uh, the Podbean, if you haven't downloaded it, shame on you, first of all. And second of all, you should get there and um, take a listen to my visit on Tuesday night when I sat down with the uh, commissioner of the WCHL, the Western Collegiate Hockey League, Chris Perry. And we talked everything about the start of that conference and the affiliations that they have and the way that they've moved up within the ACHA D1 ranks. We also talked about the fact that UNLV, Utah, and Grand Canyon will be joining that conference. And, you know, when you talk about joining a conference, people go, well, why would you want to do that? I mean, you can play anybody you want if you're an independent. But Coach Powers always says this. He says, anytime you can be in a conference and play for a championship before the national tournament, or even a holiday tournament like UNLV has done in the past, that's a great way to test yourself and find out where you are before you get to a national tournament, for example. Yeah, and I would just speak from UNLV's perspective here. Uh, when they when they made the jump to, to Division One, which is when I really started following along here and covering the, them, um, you know, they started out as an independent. And I think for them, you know, for them to establish themselves, I think that worked really well because they they did have a little bit more flexibility in who they could play and obviously we know that you know they went out and played tough teams from the beginning you know they played teams like Minot and Jamestown they didn't try to ease themselves into division 1 they they laid it out there and they and in that first season of course they they beat Minot State at home when they were when Minot State was was undefeated so right right at the beginning you know UNLV established themselves as one of the the, the top teams and so one of the, they could contend with anybody now now that they've made that next push, that they're going to join a conference and a great conference in the in the WCHL, and then have a chance to to try to compete for that and 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 to continue to to establish themselves and and, and they'll still get to play up some of the teams maybe they they've played before, but the teams in the WCHL are 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 well qualified and are and are going to be are tough. So it's it's not like it's going to be. The schedule will ease up for UNLV because they're moving into a conference like the WCHL. So um, it maybe even becomes tougher. I don't know, but 
Um, so I think it's it's yeah, it's great that they're going to be joining. A conference. I think it was probably good maybe that they didn't start playing in a conference, but now now that there will be, it's just gonna it's just gonna continue to help build themselves because you know their ultimate goal is to make the the NCAA ranks, and, and I think this is a good step towards that. Towards that, you know, in uh, Commissioner Perry told me that too about how they they call themselves the uh, Conference of Champions because they do have uh, ASU winning a championship and then. Central Oklahoma won two championships in a three-year span, so they do have, uh, in a, in a very short um, life span, I guess so far, uh, some really good teams that have participated. And Central Oklahoma is again in the tournament, and so there's actually four teams from what would be the WCHL next year um, in the tournament, which is you know that's what almost a quarter of the field from the WCHL. That's right. Yeah, quarter of the field, and and that's uh that's pretty good. I mean, it's you know you get you get three. I mean, you think about yeah, twenty teams and three, four teams from from the WCHL, or theoretically four teams. You know, he's not in it yet, but this is let's just assume for perspective they are. That's four teams. So that's pretty good when you can get four teams from from one conference uh, or from one area in in a in a tournament field. All right. So let's break down the tournament. I'm looking at the uh, the pairings. They, What's nice about the the ACHA, they they try to cater to everybody, right? So they they broke down the tournament by games, starting from the time the first game all the way through to the very championship game, which is game number nineteen. And then they also did the the familiar bracket thing, where you could bracket it out. And then they also just listed <laughs> the the standings and and where everybody ranked in the seedings. So I'm looking at the sheet that uh, that takes it game by game. And I think for breakdown purposes, we'll tell everybody that the tournament starts on Thursday, March 19th at 10 a.m. And that opening game is going to be Central Oklahoma against Niagara. So number 13 against number 20. As I said, UCO is uh, a two-time champion from the WCHL. I don't know much about Niagara. I don't know what you know about them. But being uh, the number 20 seed, they're, uh, they're pretty far down the list. Well, I believe, I believe that... I believe that Niagara and uh, in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who's got the nineties. I believe those are the the two auto bids that they they got. I think they were teams that were that were lower, but but because they won their conference uh, tournament or something, they got in there. So it knocked a couple of teams that were in the top twenty out. And I think they they get those last two spots. So um, if I've got that correct, so those, those I believe you that, do. Yeah, so I believe those teams got in because of they won their conference uh, tournament and they got the auto bid. So. Okay, so game number two, Thursday, March 19th, 1.30 p.m. Number 14, Drexel, takes on that number 19 team, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, IUP, as they call themselves. So, uh, um, you know, again, a 14, 19, those opening round games, I think they're the two toughest games to play just because you're kicking off the start of a tournament, right? So somebody has to win, somebody's got to lose, but... You know, you, you, you saw UNLV go through that 10 o'clock in the morning thing before, and it's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, the last two seasons, and, and we thought maybe it was going to be third straight season because, you know, UNLV was 13 and thought maybe we, they would at least stay there. But, they uh, yeah, that uh, 13 seed and the 20 seed, they, they kicked things off right there at 10 a.m. So that's uh, that's not a the most uh, opportune time, I guess. But, um, you know, it gives – it does give you a chance to get right right into the mix, but you know you you have a, you go out to the tournament and 
And, and it's like this at the, the NCAA tournament, too, in any sort of tournament. You go out there, and, and if you could lose that first game, and then all of a sudden you're done. You make all this effort to go out to, go out to play there, and then you lose the first game, and then and then you're done, and you're getting your arrangements to get back to you know your home base. But, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Because then the next – because then the winner of those games, those the winners of all the games the first day, then we'll have to play the next day against a team that hasn't played yet. So, you know, in a lot of cases... And the top four seeds. <laughs> right, top four seeds, right, which, which you know, Ohio number four is still still there. And, you know, the last couple seasons when UNLV was in that 13-20 matchup, ended up playing Ohio and lost both <laughs> times. So at least they won't have to worry about that this year. They'll get to worry about number two, Liberty, if they get past ASU, which is <laughs> a, obviously a team that's a little bit higher ranked, but at least it's a different team. Maybe they'll so, you know, maybe they'll have a it'll be a fresh fresh chance to play in a team that they haven't played before, so that'll be cool. Okay. But so yeah. game number three on Thursday, March nineteenth, five PM. That's UNLV and the Skate and Rebels taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, number fifteen versus number eighteen. Uh, we'll get into detail on this in a little bit, but um, as we said, the uh, Sun Devils traveled up to UNLV and played them a month ago, a little more than a month ago, and uh, UNLV kind of had their way with them. So it's a grudge match either way, right? UNLV wants to prove that their their wins there were not uh, flukes and that they can take them. And I'm sure Arizona State wants to come out and try to revenge that weekend losses. You were there. Um, what did you think of that, that series? Well, I was... I was surprised, and I've said that before. I was surprised, not that UNLV could beat them, because uh, you know, I, I, UNLV certainly the second half of the season had this great resurgence, and you know, they picked up David Anderson, and and the second, you know, in, in the semester break, and he's been really he's started almost every game for for UNLV, and has amassed ten wins since he's come to UNLV. So he certainly has re- revitalized this team. But I, I was I was surprised. Of that it was so d- dominant that way, because Arizona State had been so so good all year and and been in close games and it just it was amazing that they UNLV had a game games like that but UNLV really needed a weekend like that to really propel themselves because after that weekend with Arizona State they were able to jump quite a bit in the rankings I think they jumped to where they were in in the 13th spot so it was when they were down to like because Arizona State was actually ahead of them in the rankings when they played in Vegas and then. You know, we had that big weekend against Arizona State, then they climbed up to 13, and Arizona State dropped down to maybe even wondering if they were even going to be in. They went from looking like they were going to be in for sure to to being on the, the bubble, so to speak. So, so yeah, it's, it's uh, it was a big. To get to Las Vegas. It was big for both both those rego- regards. It was big for UNLV to get those wins to propel them to put them in a better position for the tournament, and for Arizona State, it was a huge really. Ding, ding for them because it, it made them have to really fight to, to, to even get in at the end there. Absolutely. Then uh, we'll close out Thursday, March 19th at 8.30 p.m. We got Aquinas, Aquinas, I'm not sure how you say that, Aquinas, I think, number 16 against number 17, Calvin. Don't know anything about either one of those two teams, Stephen, but what I do know is the unfortunate winner of that group, <laughs> if I can say that, gets to face Adrian, the number one overall seed, uh, on Friday. So um, as we mentioned, the winner of game one will face Ohio on Friday morning at 10, the number four seed. The winner of game two will face uh, Lindenwood in the second game on Friday. And then the UNLV Arizona State winner will face off at five o'clock against Liberty, the number two seed. And then, as I just said, Aquinas or Calvin, the winner of that uh, 
game will get the unlucky draw of Adrian, the number one seed in the tournament as well. So that kind of caps off the, the first round and getting everybody to play some games at that point. Then we jump into Saturday. Here's where things get interesting because uh, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., number five, Minot State, draws their rival in Jamestown, number 12. You've seen them both. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, those two teams have never played each other before, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think they, I think they just played each other last week or something. So this is, uh, or this week maybe. I think I think they actually are still playing a couple games this weekend. But obviously the final rankings came out. So I don't. It's uh, th- that'll be that'll be a fun game to. That's an early game too. That's a ten a.m. game on Saturday. So that's that's a good way to kick off things on Saturday to have those two teams. Because Minot Minot State's the defending champions of the ACHA. Uh, D1 tournament, so they're going to be looking to to defend that. And and Jamestown has has fought hard with them this season, and and yeah, they know each other very well too, just like UNLV and ASU do. Minot State and Jamestown know each other uh, quite well, and and so it's a really I think it's a it's a toss up really between either of those teams. I mean, Minot State will certainly have the advan- the edge probably a little bit, but being the defending champs and and being highly high, higher ranked and have had, but Jamestown has certainly played them tough this season and. And uh, it'll be a fun game nonetheless, though. All right. So then the second game on Saturday, 1.30 p.m., we got number six, Michigan-Dearborn, taking on number 11, Davenport. Uh, you saw Davenport as well. So give me uh, your, your thoughts on that one. Yeah, this was, uh, this was early in the season. UNLV went to Chicago, and they, they played Davenport. And, and at that point, you didn't really know much about them, and, and they were – I don't know what they were really off to the strong start, but they they actually had a really good, they really had a good uh, showing against uh, UNLV. They won that game against UNLV, and then the next day they beat Minot State and uh, won the Chicago Classic for this year. So um, I think that really propelled their season, and it looks you know that's obviously continued this season for them as they've been able to get into that 11 spot this year. So um, yeah, another team that that certainly. Uh, has maybe surprised some people, but uh, they deserve to be where they are, I think. All right. Then the uh, third game on Saturday, the 21st of March, 5 p.m. game, number seven, Stony Brook, takes on number 10, Indiana Tech. I think that's going to be – I don't know anything really about Indiana Tech, but a 7-10 draw is usually a pretty good matchup. Your thoughts on Stony Brook for sure. Yeah, because that's another team that, that came to Vegas this year. I got got to got to see them in person, and I don't really want to I, I don't really want to revisit that uh, that weekend because that was such a a weird uh, such a crazy weekend. Because the first game, obviously Stony Brook took care of business, but that that second game that was just such a oh I, I don't even want to relive it. I mean the the they had you know we had the lead and then the then the meltdown and and Stony Brook came back and won, but um, but. But it's just Stony Brook is a is a it's one of those East teams. It's a, they play a different style. They they you know they just it's it's a different style of uh, of game. Uh, they're a little bit rougher, and and we certainly saw that. And um, UNLV UNLV played them last season in New York and lost both games. And at that time, that knocked them down. And then this year, you know, they lost both games at home, which is rare for UNLV to lose at home. But it was just before that break, and it it. It was not a good way to go into the break, but obviously, then we saw them make a couple moves in the in the in the gap there in the semester break and had a great strong second half. But yes, yeah, Stony Brook is a is another team that's certainly right in the mix. And you know, it's interesting that that you know a lot of these teams in this field 
UNLV has has seen. So that's because again goes to show you exactly the level of competition that UNLV gets to draw in the in the regular season, which I think is another reason why why UNLV could 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 be an advantage there. So. And you know we know that Zikon is no longer with the program, but uh, he moved on for personal reasons. But um, you got to give Z a lot of credit because he's what the guy that went out and scheduled these games. So he did his homework to find out what teams were the most competitive, I think, in uh, ACHA hockey and who they could match up with to kind of get a feel for how good they were or how good they had to be to uh, compete for a national championship. Yeah, and the fact that that you know with that that they've scheduled those kind of games and they've had the records that they've had this last few years and been able to make the tournament field is a really testament of how great the, the level of talent is there and and uh, how how good they are with, with where they run the program, the coaching, and just the level of players they're able to recruit and bring, bring out to Las Vegas. Okay, let's wrap up Saturday. So everybody will have played a game by the end of Saturday night. It's uh, 8.30 game, number 8, Arizona, against number 9, Illinois. I just told you that 7-10 was good. I think 8-9 is probably going to be one of the best matchups uh, going just because of how close those two teams are, at least what the computer says, right? Yeah, they couldn't get much closer than that. So um, it's going to be interesting. I've seen Arizona quite a bit. I can tell you firsthand that they are hobbled a little bit. They, uh, they started with 33 players. They were down to 19 uh, two weekends ago when they played played Arizona State. So injuries have taken a toll on Chad Berman's team, but um, they've got some experience. They played the last game uh, also last year in the tournament and uh, unfortunately lost and had, headed to head right back home again. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Arizona brings. It, one thing we do know of the three teams that are going from the desert southwest, Arizona does have the most seniors and the most experienced and the oldest team. So um, I would think Arizona State's probably got the youngest and UNLV's in the middle. That would be a good way of looking at it. And But UNLV's, you know, this is their third straight year in the tournament, so uh, fourth overall, but this is the third since in the D1 level. And uh, they have some players on there still that have been been there and, and they they know how it is, and and they can certainly have that that leadership. And of course, the coaches have have, have been in there, and they know how how that goes, and how how to prepare for the tournament, which is an advantage. You know, Arizona State maybe did, you know this is their first this this Arizona State team in, in this iteration of it. This is their first uh, time uh, in the, with this group that they're making it. So maybe they're gonna this is gonna be a bit of a a new experience for them and. Yeah, in Arizona, they they're they've been there, so they and they they know how to 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 win. But you know, so it's 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 gonna be uh, it's gonna be one thing we know for sure is that the first three days of the tournament is gonna be a Desert Southwest team playing because when you know Arizona State and UNLV obviously one wins, one loses, and moves on to Friday, and we'll play uh, Liberty, and then you know, and then we'll see there, and then Saturday for sure, Arizona is playing Illinois, and and so we know for. For us, for our perspective, of course, which we focus on the Desert Southwest teams, the first three days of of the tournament, there'll be a team that we'll be uh, we'll be following very closely, and hopefully and beyond that too. That, yeah, yeah, and, and because of that, we're going to see every team before uh, before Sunday. So it's going to be a, a really fun uh, tournament to see exactly how things play out. I'm excited about being there. It's uh, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do, and this year is going to be the year that I get a shot to do it. So 
Congratulations to those three teams for making history. I will just quickly recap the rest of the schedule so people understand what's going on. It's four games a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the winners start to play off Sunday with 10 a.m., 1.30, 5 o'clock, and 8.30. And then you're down to the final four. And those, those uh, matchups will be played on Monday afternoon and evening, 4 o'clock on Monday for one quarterfinal. And uh, the other quarterfinal will, uh, will be played at 7.30. And then they'll determine the national championship on Tuesday, March 24th, 7.30 p.m. Um, the two semifinal winners will obviously go at it to see who uh, takes home the crown. And, you know, when we wrap up this segment, we got about three, four minutes here to do that. Uh, and then we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and, and start talking about our three teams specifically. But let's give a little shout out to Frisco, Texas. I haven't been there for a long time. I went through there. Um, a number of years ago, but I certainly haven't been back there to see Cole America Arena or or anything that they do. But Chris Perry, the commissioner of the WCHL, said had nothing but high praise for the visitors and convention bureau in, in Frisco and the Dallas Stars and their facility and all the help that they're getting from from everybody around the community. They really do embrace it. It sounds like it does, and and it's and it's a it's a great, uh, great place. I mean, I, I've never been there. I look forward to hopefully being able to be there in person. But it's going to be, uh, it's it's certainly, it's certainly a. From what I watched it on, the uh, watched it last year on the TV. You know, when I watched the games online, it was. Uh, it certainly looked like a nice, a nice place to play, and and the the the, the how much they the ACHA puts into putting on this tournament and. And picking out where they're going to play, and obviously, like this, this tournament has gotten to be to be big. You know, they host all their divisions too. You know, two and three also. I think they they, I think they all want to play in the same place, and I think they I think they're going to be in the same sort of area. I don't know if they're all in the same building, but but they're going to be around there. So I think it's that helps too, and and it's just uh it's good to put on. We should mention a couple things though. Going back to the bracket though, the times that we are saying. Are all central time time zone time. So you, you go back yes. to so yes. we go two Very hours because we're gonna Arizona <laughs> and Vegas will be on the same time zone as of tomorrow. So we'll just say everything two hour difference. So if, for UNLV Arizona State perspective, that five o'clock game is really a three o'clock uh, Pacific Arizona time. Uh, and then the, so we just go so when we look at the times here, they're all central time. So we go back two hours, and those will be the times that people out here will will watch the games. And then uh, great, the reseeding. Great point. And then, <laughs> right, and, th and then reseeding occurs after the the uh, for the semifinals. So that's another important thing. It's not just a straight bracket. When you get down to four teams, they reseed based on who the highest seeds are left and the lowest seeds. So that's important. That to is too, another so. great point that that I didn't bring up, and I'm glad you did because that is extremely important um, as far as how you match up. So. Good for that. I mean, uh, the bottom line is any coach you'll talk to that's ever played in this or coached in this tournament will tell you that um, it is the toughest tournament probably in hockey to win because it's single elimination. And, um, you know, it's six straight days of games. You'll have to win five or in some cases four, I guess, if you're a top seed. But you'll have to win uh, that many games in six days, which is really not – the norm, right? When we talk about uh, hockey in, in general, it's usually a series. Even a college series is a weekend, and all of a sudden now it's one and done all the way through, and that's really the only way they could do it. But 
um, it's different, correct? Yeah, different. Yeah, and you're right because of just the cost of everything. If you if you did it in, in different cities and the travel and all that, um, this is the only way that they could do it. And it seems seems to work, but it is it is tough because you're you're playing either you're playing either four straight days. If you're one of the lucky ones that doesn't start till Saturday, and you play Saturday and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Or if you're playing one of those teams that have to play the first day, then you're playing Thursday, Friday. You do get a day off Sunday, so that's kind of nice. And then you play, and then you play, uh, or no, sorry, you get a day off Saturday. Then you play Sunday, Monday, possibly Tuesday. So, so yeah, Thursday, Friday, and then the day off Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So, um, so that's that's a little bit of a tougher stretch. You do get the day in between where you're not playing, but still, it's uh, it's a tough grind. And you mentioned other hockey tournaments, like let's say the Frozen Four, which is of course the NCAA one. You, and also like the NCAA basketball one just coming up, you, you usually play a Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, or, or yeah, Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday weekend, and if you make it past that, then you you play an up the following weekend in another city and a couple more games, which at least you get a few days in between. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing is the, the amount of games you, you play. but uh, And against but, the best competition. I mean, this is the best of the best in ACHA D1 hockey. But every team is like that, so I mean, it's not like <laughs> exactly. it's not like so. Exactly. I mean, everybody's kind of on the same boat, um, so it's it's um, it's it makes it, it. That's why sometimes you just never know because you know sometimes the best team may not may not win. It may be the hottest team. It may be the team that has the best depth. If 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 a couple players get hurt, or if, if you have, you know, if you're able to put different players in that ha- didn't get to play, or and you and you're able to kind of shuffle the lineup a little bit, where you can you can put some fresh legs as opposed to other teams that may not have that same that same viability like Arizona. I mean, that's going to be the biggest test for them is you know their 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 bodies that they're they're dwindling down. So um, you know it's gonna that's that's always uh, the key there key, key too for this kind of a tournament is is uh, you know how many how many players you can you can wheedle in and out of the lineup if, if you're able to make a deep run so and have some fresh legs. Okay, well, let's take a couple-minute break. Let's come right back, and then we'll break down the three teams that are uh, making it into the tournament. We'll tell you about our upcoming schedule, what we're going to do, and we'll be right back in two minutes. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, Long Island iced teas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine is the brand for you. The award-winning Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine, award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. 
So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, and we're back in. Scott Scrandy live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Stephen Marsh joining me from uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And, Stephen, it was beautiful when I was up there on Friday. It was 75 degrees yesterday, I guess. Uh, it was beautiful sunshine. Um, uh, it'll probably change because the weather here is going to probably get a little rainy uh, middle of the week. But Same here, anyway, same here. Same here. It's gonna, supposed to be good spring rain this week. So, yeah. So, so we got that going. So let's break down these three teams. We, uh, we, we talked a little bit about who they were. We talked about where they're going to play. But let's get specifically in. You're the one that's uh, the most familiar with uh, UNLV. I've uh, got a lot of uh, experience with Arizona State and U of A, obviously, being in my backyard. But let's start off with uh, UNLV. Let's start off by talking just a little bit about some of the guys that are going to be the ones to watch, the impact players, if you will. All right, so to start off, uh, first is uh, Paxton Malone. He's, uh, he's been with the program a couple of years now, and, and he's, uh, he's their top goal scorer. I was just during the break here, I was pulling up uh, the statistics here, and uh, Malone is leading the team with uh, 22 goals and 11 assists. He's got uh, 33 points. Uh, you've got the captain, uh, Basasov, and, and he just brings, I mean, he's got 15 points. He just got his 100th point uh, a few weeks ago uh, in the Rebel uniform. He'll be back uh, for one, one more season. He is a he is a senior, but he, he's going to play one more year. He's got one more year he can play, so he'll be back. And he's he's been with the program now. He's seen, he's seen this program uh, has grown the last few years, and, and so he'll bring a lot of leadership and a lot of um, ability to to some of these players that this will be their first time in the tournament um he'll, he'll be a nice uh extra voice in the locker room there for uh for coach uh greener and, and staff and uh another player that's really made a i i've been really impressed about his his play of, of really the second half is uh is uh john moeller uh, his, uh he's uh he's he's had quite the second half i think at one point he had like he had, a, he had a hat trick in the uh, the game against uh, Minot State that they won here in Las Vegas. Uh, that was uh, pretty good. And then he's up to uh, 11 uh, goals, or actually 13 goals, sorry, 13 goals for him. And he's a, a lot of those have been in the second half of the season. So uh, he's someone that, that can um, uh, be someone that to watch for, for UNLV. And, and, of course, we talk about uh, there's just – Really, what's what's been really nice to see is in a lot of these games is, um, you know, you look at some line and, and there will be some, some some injuries to some key players that we'll have to, to wait for, and I have to ask them next week. I'm gonna go to practice one of these days this week and and figure out that on specifically with with how the the health is of the team. I didn't get a chance to ask this week, but um, but one thing is uh, is they they've been getting scoring from 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 the four lines and and they've been able to kind of. To see that, and and you look at one game, whether it be last weekend in Colorado, or you look at the the Oakland game, and you look at who scores, it's 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 all different different players. I think the one game against uh, Arizona State, I want to say one of those games that was we talked about earlier, that the eight two win and the and the ten one, it was like eight different goal scores up until like a cup. The last two goals were scored by someone the same players, but they were able to get eight different goal scores. So that that really. Uh, it's nice when you when you can get scoring from your from your top to your bottom of your roster, which is something that maybe UNLV 
struggled with in the first half of the season where they weren't really getting a lot of goal production. And the ones that were scoring were the, were the really the top line people, Malone, Tuyomi, and Turcotte involved in there too. And so, but now you're seeing everybody able to, to get on the score the scoreboard. There is uh, one, two, I'm just going to count real quick. One, two, three, four, five players on the, the roster right now that have played in the, the majority of the games that they have at least 10 goals. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. Ten players with uh, double-digit assists, including uh, a couple players that have over 20 assists, which is pretty good to be able to. And that's a, that's an important aspect of the game too. Goal, goal scoring is obviously important, but but you know, obviously being involved in setting up setting up plays and getting assists and and everything. That's um, that's uh, that's good too. So, um, and then of course in net. That's really when the big the big factor is is, uh, is is David Anderson who came from Jamestown during the the semester break, and that was something that they really were looking to get some sort of uh, good goaltending against, and it certainly has been really strong for UNLV. He's uh, ten and three with with the Rebels, and he has uh, a two point three three goals against average. Uh, the last game against Colorado, he gave up four goals, but you know he played the third three games and. Three nights, and that was uh, and the out that out too was a little bit tough. So that was, but uh, his goals against, like I said, two point three three overall. He's been outstanding. He's uh, he's really been, I think, a, a big part of why UNLV has. And you just see in the locker room there, the players are so excited to be around him. Um, they have a good time with him. I I tweeted out a video on my my account uh, of. Uh, I did see I that. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> I interviewed him for to get his thoughts about the, the, and a couple of the players, you know, uh, video bombed so to speak, and and uh, got <laughs> it on the fun and and that's just uh, you, you see and, and stuff like that that you think okay I'll leave that on the edit floor, but uh, that was just too good of a moment to to share. It required a little bit of uh, cutting out some audio there for for a certain word there by one of the players, but um, <laughs> but, but I just those moments are just and it, it just seems like this this group is really having a good time they they love each other they're cl- close group i i talked with um uh, jake Sachs, who's one of the actually one of the the seniors on this team that's going to be uh this will be his last season he's graduating and and he uh he talked about how this was the closest team that he's had in his whole time here i'm, I'm reading a quote that he he'd shared um uh, they said the boys all meshed together we're we're best friends we we do everything together off the ice uh we're just a family in there and and that's why we're winning games, and and that's certainly been, I think, a big big factor too. And it just, it just, it's. I I think it's, you know, the three years that we've seen UNLV in this tournament, this this D one tournament, even though they've had some really skilled players the last couple seasons, um, you, you know, you wonder too with losing Cody Williams and everything, who was such a big part of this program, and and but uh, I think this this year, it's kind of unfair that they got a fifteen because, but you know that. But you know they have a lot to prove, and 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 they're ready. They're they're going to be motivated, and and hopefully make a, a good run. So that's my little spiel on uh, UNLV, I guess. All right, let me interject a couple of pieces because uh, I am also doing a little preview of uh, each one of the three teams that will be up online the end of this week. They'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So UNLVs will be up on Wednesday. But um, when I had a chance to visit with uh, Eric Williams and, and Jake Sachs and and uh, Coach McNeary Greener, um, a couple things that I took away were, you know, I I followed Jake's career from the time that he got here because I was just so impressed with not only how good he is in the face-off circle, but 
just how tenacious he is and, and how skilled he is coming from Montreal. And last year, as you know, uh, he took a vicious hit in Minot and ended his season early in the year. And yeah. I met with him this summer just before the start of training camp. And I said, I want to do a little feature if you're up to it called What's Dri What Drives You by our sponsors at M-Drive. And uh, he said, sure. So he sat down in the locker room with me and I asked him that, about the psychological part of that. Did he ever feel like he maybe didn't want to play this game anymore? Because anytime you get your head nearly taken off and you lose teeth and you lose consciousness and all of that stuff, um, it, it, it's scary, right? And uh, I think Jake has persevered. And when I saw him yesterday in, in Vegas, he told me that's all gone. And he's so glad that he came back and he's so happy that he came back to be a part of this team again and, and that he didn't hang things up. And, you know, he obviously got checked out by doctors and got the okay to come back. But that really talks about the epitome of ACHA hockey to me is that a guy like that would come back and, and persevere. You know, he's not on a scholarship or anything like that. So this is something he had to dig down inside himself and say, this is something I really want to do because I love the game of hockey. Yeah, I, I, I've really been – yeah, you're right. I've been real, real impressed with, with, uh, with Jake Sachs and, and the, the, his leadership too. And, and, you know, he's one of the assistant captains. And, and he's very he, – he, he's, he's, he's tough on the ice. And he's, he's passionate about, about the game. And he cares a lot about um, how the team does and how he does. Uh, he gets frustrated. I, 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 the last series I saw, in, you know, at home, the, the Oakland series – and especially, you know, the game that they the the second game where maybe they weren't playing to, the, to their ability. He there was a couple of times he came off the ice and he was frustrated with with himself or just how things were going, and he would slam the stick and and it just and, <laughs> and, and break it in half and and it and, and you think well that's you know why you know you break it, but that just shows you that uh, that shows a lot that you're you're very passionate that you care so much about this team and how and how you do that. You really take take it to heart, you know. So I mean, at the end, it's 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 a game, but but it, that just shows shows you, you know, and and especially for him, you know, he he knows this is your. But you're right, even you know, last season he 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 did have a bad hit injury. He couldn't play the rest of the season, but he was still around the team. He he went on, he played for almost all the road trips. You know, I road trips I went on with, he was there too. Even though he couldn't play, he was there. You know, it was. Helping, you know, sure, giving words about how to do this and stuff, almost like another, another voice, another coach of, on, on the team and stuff, and 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 being being there, even though he knew he couldn't play. So that that just shows you that you know he, you know, and that he wanted to continue to play. But I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you're right though, and, and I'm sure he did have questions about whether he he could play again and, and what would his future be. But but I'm sure he's very happy that that he came back. And as I read that quote from Sachs, that he feels like this is the closest group that he's been around. So um, I'm sure he's very happy that he's he got to come back and, and finish off his career here and play, finish off his last year at UNLV and, and hopes to maybe be able to make one last run here in the national tournament before he moves on to the next phase of his, his career and his life. Okay, let's jump on. I don't think we can end uh, UNLV on any better note than that, but their opponent, Arizona State, uh, I'm going to start right in the beginning of the year with Arizona State, Stephen, because they had 128 kids come and try out for their Division One and Two programs. Um, I don't even know, like I've said this before, I don't even know where you put 128 kids for tryouts, especially at Oceanside Ice Arena. It's just not that big. Somehow they did. They sorted through. They revamped the roster 
Coach Tate Green does a great job of bringing uh, a whole bunch of talented athletes in, not just hockey players, but athletes. Um, and I think you see it in their depth. Uh, their, their inexperience might be why they're, they're ranked number 18 instead of a little higher. Um, but, man, oh, man, when you talk about depth, let me tell you, they've got Clayton Lackey with 47 points, Elliot Plord with 45 points, Brendan Studioso with 37 points, Adam Havner with 35 points, uh, Captain Zach Kowalchuk, 31 points. So you got, what's that, one, two, three, four, five players with 31 or more points, and then you got two more in Damon Porter and Andrew Houston who have 24 points each. So, it, you know, they're, they're very balanced in their scoring. I guess the, the, the thing I would say with ASU is, uh, you know, how consistent will they be? And you saw them up there, and they, they struggled a little bit, I think, against UNLV's speed and strength. And not that they can't match in that area, but I think it was the inexperience that caught them. Um, you know, how do you play when you go to Vegas, right? Are you focused, or does the distractions of Vegas get, get in your way? And I, I don't know what happened up there. I, I really don't. And uh, But I will tell you that, that Tate Green does a great job with this team and this roster, and he's built a really strong roster. They're led by Zach Kowalchuk and Austin Plumbo as their two captains, but they, they just got depth from top to bottom, okay? And as you mentioned on uh, UNLV's case, their, uh, their goaltending is, their, is a strength right now for uh, them. It's the same with ASU. They've got three great goaltenders. Uh, obviously, Bronson Moore is the guy that leads them, 17-7-0 this year in 24 games. Um, goals against average of 3.05, 9-11 save percentage. Um, you know, he's done everything except get a shutout. Doesn't have a shutout this year, but uh, as far as ASU goes, it's going to be – it's going to come down to their goaltending and timely scoring by their – they're uh, young um, forwards, you know. They're talented, but they're young. You know, what's uh, what's it going to be like in the national tournament for them? Is it going to be the bright lights, or is it going to be something that they're ready and adapted to and, and go out and play? And we'll find that out uh, Thursday, March 19th at 5 o'clock. And, Just your quick and, thoughts on ASU. Right, and, and I think one thing that Arizona State might be fortunate in is that – they're going to play a team they're familiar with in the in the first round. So I mean, you, you know, they they know UNLV. Um, yeah, they they the, the games in Vegas didn't didn't go their way, but early in the season when, but well, it was a different UNLV team a little bit, but but it was a different. You know, they they played them close, and and I, I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna have your first exposure in the national tournament, um, I guess playing a team that you're familiar with maybe makes you feel a little bit more comfortable if, if that's maybe an appropriate term than playing a, a team that you're not as familiar with and you're having to you know this this way you, you know what you're going to get with UNLV and, and maybe that helps in the preparation for for Arizona State um, to kind of to, to look back especially the two games in Vegas and say okay well we you know what what can we do to to fix that and obviously you're you're you look ahead, kind of, because you know what you're going to have to play after. But you can't look ahead. you got to look at the one game, and, and that's UNLV. And, and as again, it's a team that they know, and it's a team that they they certainly want to have a chance. And, and they didn't think they would get a chance to, to avenge those losses. But but what better way to, 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 to avenge the losses against UNLV than to beat them in the national tournament and to, and to move on and to establish yourself and say, hey, we've we deserve to be here too. And, 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 you know, what about us? You know, there's so much, 
you know, a lot of people will say UNLV's got the bigger advantage, and, and they and they probably do. But Arizona State's there, and they say, hey, not so fast. Uh, we we we're gonna give us we're gonna give them our best effort, and and uh, I I think it, it's not gonna be as is not going to be as one sided as we as we might think it is. Uh, Bronson Moore, I, I you know I've been impressed by him. I've seen him play this is you know, the last couple seasons and and even last season when Arizona State was uh, was struggling uh, to get wins. I, I was looking at uh, when I was doing a preview on Arizona State for UNLV. I think that and I looked at Bronson Moore's numbers from last season, even though. I think the big, the biggest thing for for the difference in Arizona State from from last season to this season, is the the offense has certainly been has been has been picked up. Uh, yes, they were, they were, yeah, I'd agree with they, you. I mean, and then maybe that was goes back to the play, some players that they got during the uh, off season and, and players they picked up. But I I looked at last season. I think they, uh, I don't I don't know who what the top scorer was, but they didn't have that, as many points as the top scores. Some of the top scores you mentioned this season. And, but Bronson Moore, even last, like I said, even last season, he was he was keeping the Arizona State in in a lot of games, and and this season, uh, it's a little misleading his numbers, I think, because uh, you know sometimes when you look at the, the these these numbers on the the ACHA website, the way these some of these goals get reported, I think, is a little um, um, miscalculated. Because if I'm not mistaken, when UNLV played ASU here, uh, Moore was in net. But I believe after UNLV uh, scored uh, four or five goals, I think they took. But yeah, after they scored six goals, they took. They switched. They switched goalies. But yet, yeah, you look back at that game, they got more credited for all ten of those goals allowed. So that probably uh, that probably affected his number there a little bit. It probably should be a yeah. little bit low. Should be a little bit lower than what it is. But uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it's nonetheless, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be. Uh, it's gonna be a good game. It's 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 gonna be uh it's uh it's gonna be a fun fun matchup uh, uh between the two the two teams. Okay, so that leaves our third team, the highest rated seed from the Desert Southwest, the uh, number eight uh, seeded University of Arizona Wildcats. We already talked a little bit about two things with them. They lost a lot of man games. I'm looking at their inactive players, and you probably don't know these names as well as I do, but. When I read off uh, four or five of these guys, I can tell you that they could start on almost any ACHA team uh, in the country. And Justin Plumhoff, Josh Larson, Kyle Wade, Trey Decker, and Keelan Olnick, uh, any one of those guys could uh, could probably start um, for, for any team in the country. And to have those guys lost for the year, I mean, it's absolutely uh, got to be just time to pull your hair out for Coach Chad Berman, but... He, he's managed to keep the guys on an even keel. He's told me several times he had a little bit of a health scare himself this summer, and he said he decided when that happened to him that uh, he was going to quit looking at adversity as, as a bad thing and look at it as an opportunity. And he's told the players that. He said, you know, I had uh, an issue, a uh, health issue this summer, and, and I could have just thrown in the towel and said, yeah, I'm done with this stuff. It's just too much work. It's... Uh, you know, whatever, but he chose to look at it as an opportunity to get better and to find other ways to do things. And his team has proven that uh, the last weekend of the year, they, they took care of uh, business one convincing or, or actually clinched the uh, WCHL and had that presentation for a cup on Friday night and then won the cactus cup, which is uh, the rivalry cup given between Arizona state and U of a, um, 
on Saturday night. So they had two games, two cups. No better way to end the season for them. Uh, when you look at their team, we also talked about their experience. They got the most seniors of any of the three teams. Uh, they looked to their leader and captain, Anthony Cusinelli, who's their leading point getter at 34 points. Um, Bailey Marshall, who transferred uh, two years ago from uh, Central Oklahoma after winning a championship with Central Oklahoma, came over to the Wildcats, and he's just been nothing but steady. It is, his line will tell you, 31 games, 16 goals, 16 assists, 32 points. Doesn't get any steadier than that. Uh, and then you got Max Meyer, Alex Johansson. You go right down the list. And, and one of the guys that, that I think is uh, two of the guys, I should say, that I think are stepping up for them is Chris Westland with 22 points and Jesse Lowell, who's coming on with 22 points. And then they also added a couple of players uh, at the break. They added Greg Malafronte and um, Josh Lusby, uh, who came on board as well. So they, they've got some some very talented players. The question I think we already mentioned a few times now is the health. How are they going to stand up? It's an advantage that they don't have to play until 8.30. It gives them a lot of time, as much time as humanly possible in this tournament to get healthy. So uh, they're, they're fortunate for that uh, and get rested and then see what they can do from that point. Uh, when you talk about their goaltenders, I mean, they've got two really good ones, but uh, Anthony Churro, I just don't. I know the kid pretty well, and in 19 games played, a 15-3-0 mark, uh, 2.04 goals against, which is just ridiculous. Two shutouts and a save percentage of 9.27 in 19 games. That's uh, that's a pretty darn good number. Yeah, and I believe he's in the. Uh, I believe he's in the top 10 of the uh, with the goalies in the in the ACHA. Uh, so that's. That says a lot, and you know the the other goalie too, uh, Nolan Bavolsic, is pretty good himself. Twelve games he's played, nine three zero, two point zero seven goals against, nine eighteen save percentage. So they've got two really good, and which you know is is going to be good in a tournament like this. If you if you have to play two or three days in a row, you know can you you can you can put either of those guys in, and and they can uh, they can certainly provide you with the uh, the confidence that you need in net to to give you a chance to win. Absolutely, and when we talk about um, uh, the Desert Southwest, I've talked to all three of the coaches, and we'll have you know a preview, like I said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, of all of the uh, the different uh, teams, and you know, I got about twenty minutes of footage with each one of them to uh, talk to a couple of their players and their coaches. But every one of the coaches will tell you that they think that the three best goaltenders in the in the ACHA hockey reside right here in the Desert Southwest. They think that. Uh, it, that's just where the strength is. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, when games start to get played. Um, as we said, March nineteenth down in Frisco, Texas, we'll have some special coverage for you all the way through the tournament, at least up until Sunday, and and see where uh, teams go from there. Like I said, it's single elimination, so we know uh, one of the teams will be eliminated on Thursday, right? It's either going to be UNLV or Arizona State. The other will move on, and then uh, and then we'll just see where the the chips fall from there, but best of luck to them. We know that it can be done. Arizona State won a championship here uh, six years ago, so uh, the title can be brought back to the Desert Southwest, and I think that would be a huge step in in uh, growing the game of hockey out here in the Desert Southwest. It would be. It would be. It would be nice to, to see that. Uh, I think you've got three three teams in, that have an opportunity to, to do that, and uh, – and it's 
won't be easy, but, you know, who said, you know, if it would be easy, <laughs> why would it be easy? You know, if you're going to win a ch- champion, winning a championship of any kind is never an easy task. So, um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun looking forward to, to seeing how, how these three teams fare. As we said before, we know the first three days, there'll be a Desert Southwest team playing. So that'll be good to, to have that at least for the first three days. And then beyond that, we'll see, we'll see where we are, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we're just under two weeks away for uh, for that action. You and I will be back next Wednesday night at our regular time. And kudos to everybody at Podbean and our uh, executive producer for keeping us up and streaming the entire hour tonight. Um, it's uh, it's always great when we can talk college hockey and we can talk club hockey because these guys just don't get enough uh, recognition in, in my book. And, you know, it, it couldn't happen without some great sponsors. We've got a bunch of them. We've got our friends over at OxyPal. We have our friends at M Drive, uh, of course, the guys that behind the mask that keep us outfitted in some really nice-looking outfits as well. Um, we have our friends at Oceanside Ice Arena, the home of uh, NCAA hockey in the uh, Desert Southwest, and then of course the uh, the guys over at uh, the Ice Den, Scottsdale and Chandler, where the, uh, the Scottsdale location is the practice home of the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, we you know we just go down the list. Our Oxypaw friends, as I said, and and the, Jesse uh, Ray's Barbecue, right up here in Vegas, it, right? Isn't that it, exactly? We got Jesse Ray's Barbecue. I was getting to him, Stephen. I was okay. Getting all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and also, also uh, Roger Klein uh, and his Mexican Moonshine Tequila, Cantillon, uh, Cantillon uh, Tequila is going to be the new name when they when they come out with that. Um, but also, a big thank you to Roger Klein and the Peacemakers for giving us some lead-in music. They do a great job of providing us music as well. So. All the music you hear now uh, with us will come from Roger Klein and his great feature. So shout out to them, and thanks for uh, for tuning along and hanging with us all throughout the season. Quick reminder, Monday night is Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly. Tuesday night, uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly, our NCAA show. And then Stephen and I will be back Wednesday night with Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. So as we let you go tonight on this Saturday night, we thank you for tuning in. For Stephen Marsh up in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, we want to thank you and uh, hope you join us again next week. And for our great coverage through the uh, NCAA tournament, that's it for now. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, everybody. Have a good night.